Hey, I want to welcome everybody to this um, direct scale sponsored webinar. We've got a great guest today um, and Steve Jamison, who is a consultant in the direct selling industry, has got a uh, an amazing background and, and the work that he's, but the work that he's doing right now is the stuff that I'm most compelled by and intrigued by. We've known each other for years and have had an opportunity to have a lot of different conversations over the years, but, but um, you know, this, this conversation is really timely. Um, we, we both care about the industry that we have grown up in and been participating in for many, many years. We want it to be successful you know, we want people to be able to um, to leverage it. We want people to be able, we want to be able to bring the strengths and awesome um, awesomeness of direct selling um, into relevancy and continued relevancy in the future. And that, as it turns out, is um, you know not automatic by any stretch of the imagination as things are changing so rapidly. So, you know, that kind of just kicks off the conversation today. But um, want to welcome you, Steve, to the party and. And let's uh, let's just jump in and yeah. and talk yeah, about kind of the state of things and and get rolling. Yeah, for, uh, for those of you do coming on, I want this conversation to be like the after conversation at a party, right? Not the fake conversation during the party. This is where we talk about everyone, how they dressed, how they looked, right? In the sense that kind of honest candor about our business, and we can do that. The truth is, as Roger said, because we love our business, and the only that gives us permission right, to look at it honestly. And the reason we wanna do that is because we can't tell you where we both wanna go if you don't honestly talk about where we are and where we've been. And so what I always like to say, you know, is we're the most unusual vertical in the world in the sense that we're one of the few, right, where the government is overtly obvious about not liking us, right? Not just not liking the fringe players or the people who make claims, they don't like our core business model. They don't like the idea that we sign up salespeople who sign up salespeople who don't get paid for selling customers. And they have been direct about it. They have litigated us and it doesn't look like that's gonna stop anytime soon. Mm -hmm. The second thing that's obvious to me is that the public has a very bad brand and image of network marketing. I don't know anyone who goes to a party and the first thing they wanna say out of their mouth is, I'm a network marketer, <laughs> is if they're trying to impress people. You know, one, I'm, I'll pause you on that one. Th this just reminds me when Jim and I were out um, raising money in the, um, in the VC space for direct scale, when we were looking for investors, invariably, you know, it's not everybody, but there's at least one partner, you know, in every one of those investor meetings who had a negative taste in their mouth or a negative perception about direct selling, um, network marketing, MLM. And part of the whole part of our, our job then had to be to try to overcome that. Man, if we wouldn't have had to worry about overcoming that perception, we would have been, we would have been we could have raised yeah. a lot more money. <laughs> and what's interesting is so many other verticals start out with the same brand and the same reputation, but they grew past it because they modified themselves, they changed, they honestly realized what they needed to do. We're the only ones who get defensive every time someone brings that up. And unfortunately, that defensiveness went even one step further right? in the sense that we were, we didn't want to change the business model. So you know what we did? We changed the names, right? We changed ourselves from multi-level marketing to network marketing to direct sales to then we got cool and we're social selling, then we're social e-commerce. And then we called our people instead of independent business, 
people. We call them uh, brand ambassadors and, and consultants, right? But we never changed yeah. the business model. <laughs> and somehow that was going to make a difference. And that in, uh, entrenchment that we had with our own love affair, with our own business, calling ourselves the misunderstood vertical, also extended, as you know, Roger, now better than I do, because you are the contrarian, particularly in technology, was the same thing to resistance to technology, is that technology was gonna interfere with the people-to-people -people marketing, the belly-to-belly, -belly, right? Zoom yeah. was our enemy. <laughs> we needed to meet people at the kitchen table. And this isn't 10 years ago. I mean, this is only a few months ago where I was having a conversation with the CEO of a billion-dollar network marketing company who said, I don't want to teach people to do Zoom. I want to teach people to meet face-to-face. -face. And, and so when we talk about wow. you know, yeah. trying to overcome ourselves <laughs> and what a challenge it is. So how do we talk about how we're gonna become the coolest new next distribution channel in the world if we don't kind of recognize that's our history, right? That, that's where we're coming from. And, and so I don't know anyone, whether it be in their personal lives or whether in their business life, that usually doesn't make a dramatic change unless they have to. And so there's two things that I think happened in our business where we've had that epiphany, right? We've had that moment. One of them, the dirty word in our business now is Shopify, right? Yep. Shopify and Amazon came along and so did Airbnb and so did Uber and so did Etsy and so did all these alternative income opportunities where all of a sudden with no money down, people could sign up in the morning, get a customer in the afternoon and get a check before they came home from dinner. And we were still pitching $500 packages, right? Personal growth and development training, right? I mean, the entire scenario where somebody ended up in 90 days deeper in the hole in our business frequently when the other person was already paying off the bills, which is why they wanted a part-time job to begin with. Now that's not an opinion, right? Just look at the numbers. Uh, for five years in a row, sales went down. For five years in a row, right, distributor recruitment went down. And I'm particularly talking about the U.S. market. You know, the Latin American market, European, Asian, they're in a different cycle. <laughs> their their right. day is coming, right? Yeah. But for, uh, for us, it was a challenge, and we didn't respond. And you, in your unique position, where you're only a handful of vendors to the most the largest companies literally in the world, trying to service people who didn't know what service they wanted from you. Because traditionally they looked at you as commissions and reporting, which was our, the sexiness about direct sales. That's the only, we're the only people that can do it. And you were one of the few, only few people who could do it well. And then, you know, seven years ago, when you started to reinvent that business model by having a sexy front end, right? Not realizing that, yeah that other, your other vendors weren't your competitors, but there was the Shopify's and the Amazon's that were. I mean, look at, at uh, Amazon. 50% of Amazon sales come from individual merchants, not Amazon Direct. 1.2 million people, $60 billion in sales come from individuals on Shopify. If you wanna know where our field went, we don't have to look very far in that sense, right? So the idea was, is how can we change. Well, we weren't, but then what happened for us? Something very unusual, right? Five years of decline, no response. Then the pandemic happened. And all of a sudden, right, as I, I always tell the story that three people go to a mailbox, right? The, the Airbnb guy, right, who went to the mailbox and instead of getting his income check, he only got the bill for 100% of what was due in his apartment that he couldn't rent, right? 
you know, the, uh, the Uber driver who actually was a little happy because his unemployment check that he was qualified for was a little bigger than his Uber check. So he actually wasn't too upset, but he knew it was short term, right? And the direct sales guy who went and actually got a bigger residual check than he got before the pandemic. All of a sudden, we forgot why we were in this business, that we truly had a home-based business that you could actually work from home when everyone had to be at home, that really can be quite effective. And so all of a sudden, with technology and Zoom staring us in the face, everyone was calling you, Roger, to go, what's the technology that we have, right, to all of a sudden become relevant? Right, it was a different phone call than my commission check didn't calculate correctly <laughs> in that sense. And that has been this window that has reopened to make us look about as, as innovators, as contrarians, you know, not only who our competition is, but how do we need to compete in today's marketplace? And I know that's where you're going through, right? Like almost a complete reinvention right? Hard to emotionally uh, detach from what you build, hard financially to detach what you build when you realize we're not competing from vendor to vendor. We're competing against Shopify. We're competing against Amazon. We're competing against a technology that helps people acquire customers, market customers, analyze data. It's a very different business that we're in. And I hate to say this because it sounds ironic, but thankfully to the pandemic. Yeah, crazy that that would be the case. I was I was thinking you know, earlier today about how um, you know there's been one one trend, largely driven early on, I think, more by regulatory pressure than than probably anything else, to shift the focus of direct selling companies from from rep or independent seller acquisition, you know, opportunity selling versus um, product selling and more true customer acquisition. It's really a good thing actually that that trend started and that we've actually seen significant movement in that direction because that's, that's coming in the right direction uh, and that's all very positive. But um, what probably hasn't come as quickly are maybe the right compensation levers, um, you know, the right thinking maybe or the more current thinking around how we should be structuring comp plans um, et cetera, to, to drive that behavior. And then to your point, this whole new universe of tools that's really needed and required to enable those, um, those independent sellers to get attribution and to have the right tools to compete in today's marketplace. So I know you've got some really good ideas and thoughts about, um, well, two about things. Comp, One, comp, comp yeah. plans as well. The thing about, comp plans, it's the elephant in the room, right? It, it's the thing that, that uh, in today's world, to think that there's any network marketing CEO that wants to be called in front of a judge and explain the logic of a binary as a legitimate <laughs> distribution structure that makes sense to anyone, I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> I don't know what that argument is that convinces somebody that is a really good idea, right? But yet, and you know, Roger, right? You still have startups, right? That because they're coming from another network marketing company, they were earning a $3,000 check, I gotta have the binary, right? When the truth is the future of network marketing or people coming off of Shopify, coming off of Amazon that have achieved 25 or 50 or $100,000 a month in sales. And for the first time now are limited by those networks because they don't have comp plans 
that can organically drive behavior. That's the huge difference. We actually do things better than Shopify and Amazon if we apply it correctly. And the other thing that people have to realize is that our comp plans in some ways, which is referral-based marketing, was the best thing that we had and that other people are taking it from us and doing it better. So the question is, if Shopify goes MLM, are they better than MLM going Shopify? And so from my point of view, if I said to you that in the last five years in retail and online, there's only one marketing idea that has worked equally well offline and online. And if you remember last Christmas, I'll give you an example. If you went to the mall, the only thing that the Gap, Williams-Sonoma and GNC had in common on Christmas Eve was they didn't have 70% sales off. They had spend $100 in our, business, in our store and we'll give you $20 instant cash back on your next purchase. Instant cash back is the only thing that has exploded in retail, uh, in the mall and online. And in fact, this is where I wanted to share a screen just to show you the power, right, of this. There's a company that I'm gonna show you called Ibotta. And this company, I don't know why, no one's ever heard of. But if I told you that in less than, I think it's six years now, by paying their customers to browse, paying their customers to shop, and paying their customers when their friends shop, they've paid back people $860 million and they never heard of the word MLM. GNC, I want, I want to show you. So it's not just snobbery among company, online companies that think they're cool. What about Williams-Sonoma paying their people back? What about, again, GNC paying their money back? I guarantee you that their customers have made more money than some of our top network marketers from doing that referral. In fact, how much money do top network marketers make? It's interesting in the US, here's one of the largest network marketing companies in the world did more than five and a half billion dollars in sales, a good chunk of that in the US, right? 460 people out of almost 200,000 people who signed up in that company made more than $14,000 a month. Now, I don't know if you think that's good or bad, but I bet you it's Shopify and Amazon could compete with that number pretty easily. Sometimes yeah. I, feel, I feel like we're a, a taxi driver saying, trying to criticize Uber. <laughs> that they don't do it better, right? Yeah. So that's what I meant. There's things that we have to do. So in network marketing, why do we have to start the comp plan paying the distributors? Why can't we start it paying the customers? Maybe that way we have organic growth. And then the behavior of a customer becomes the same behavior as a distributor. You get paid to browse, you get paid to shop, you get paid to friend shop, and we pay you when you build a team. I think people would actually mention that at the kitchen table or the water cooler, or I dated myself with the word water cooler the next day at work, right? <laughs> I mean, so, so that's what I meant is that there's one thing for us to have ideas, but it's really frustrating when everyone else is implementing them in every other vertical but ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we, yeah, we, you mentioned it, we have lagged, um, but it's a lot of it has been because of some of the things you mentioned initially, right? It's the, it's the defensive nature. It's not trying to look forward. It's trying to, uh, oh, well, we're misunderstood. You know, you don't understand. If you understood, right. then, you'd, then you'd get it. Right. But I think it was, um, you know, there's a bold statement, a note that I think I took maybe even during one of our fast conversations. And that is that MLM, as we have known it, doesn't exist anymore. Now, there's companies that are still really trying to, to make it 
make that statement untrue, but the reality is it's, it's, um, it's kind of boiled down to now just a low note, a lower no cost customer acquisition channel. And if that's the only thing you're getting out of it, it's probably, you're probably not, you know, not treating it right. But by the same token, you know, it was the original gig, the original gig, it, you know, is network marketing and, and direct selling. Um, It was the original nano influencer business model. And, and there's so many great things about that. We're coming into a time of economic uncertainty there's a lot of certain things, but there's a lot of economic uncertainty for a lot of people. And so wouldn't it be cool if we could bring the best of direct selling and network marketing to this party and deliver tools to brands to help them remain and stay relevant or be relevant in today's economy and create just vast amounts of opportunity for a lot more people. I'm saying to you that people will join direct scale because they're in the customer acquisition business, not the reporting on customer acquisition, but actually in the customer acquisition, because that's why we lost our position in the gig economy. Everyone else got you a customer. We got you an opportunity. And and there's no reason with technology today and the cost of acquiring a customer with technology in some cases for some companies is actually less expensive than using the distributor, but the distributor is far more effective at upselling, selling brands, selling loyalty, selling the community, selling a sense of purpose. So the idea that that maybe our network marketing distributors are the most powerful people in the world if used correctly, and if they had the technology designed for them to be used correctly, that's the the brilliant thing. As I always say is that Amazon created uh, technology for the merchant. Shopify created it for the customer. Salesforce created it you know, for the independent, you know, person looking for CRM, no one yet has truly owned and created, right, the technology for the new network marketer in that sense. And the truth is that new network marketer expects technology to acquire a customer with them, to market to a customer with them, to analyze the data about that customer, to use artificial intelligence to find more customers, to tell you what content to send to those customers. And I can tell you that and, the, and the, I guess the last and most important thing in today's world is to find where that customer is and send them the buy button where they are, not ask them to come to us to go buy the product. Today, buy buttons are everywhere. They're on a blog, they're on a Facebook post, they're on Instagram, they're on Pinterest, they're on Amazon, they're on eBay. So can you imagine taking a direct scale button with its technology and putting it on Amazon and paying our comp plan? alongside all the purchases that aren't paid in our comp plan, but because it's our buy button and our product, as opposed to looking at Amazon as an invasion from another planet who's stealing our sales, but a sales distribution channel that's an asset. Everything that we're talking about today exists. This isn't about what we need to invent. It's about needing to create it in a way that companies can use it across their field. And I can tell you that in the 20 years that we know each other, right? I've had this conversation with the owners of every single major back office provider in the industry, and they don't, and you're the only one, I'm not saying this because I'm talking to you, you're the only one that wants the conversation. They really want to build technology and have everyone else come to it, use their technology and figure all that out. The truth is they can't. They don't know the potential. Do you realize the top 100 network marketing companies, only three even have a position of chief innovation officer? They do innovation at lunchtime. 
which is not a problem. It's an opportunity for people like you and me to be that person for them, to show them the potential and show them the possibilities. That's the asset that we do. That's why there's the McKinsey's of the world, right? People are paid to think about this 24 hours, seven days a week and then implement it. And that's why this is exciting. That's why this phone call is, is not, you know, I hate to say it, a bitch session about our industry, right? It's about the opportunity for our industry and to deliver. And the truth is, I'm trying to do it from the outside in, but you're the guy doing it from the inside out. You're the guys right now currently serving some of the largest companies in the world with some incredible success. And they're looking at you for the answers. And the truth is, you're the only person who's going to deliver it. They're not getting it from, from any place else. And that's why these thought conversations that you and I have at lunch, right? We're putting it out there to a larger audience because we're going to get more back from them yeah. to participate in this journey. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that, you know, th these technologies exist. You know, there is, uh, it, it's, it's a bit of an art to try to bring all those together in a cohesive end-to-end -end experience for a direct selling brand. Um, and, and by the way, anytime we talk about direct selling brand, you know, the way that I'm looking at this is we want to do that though. We, we want to deliver that experience. That doesn't mean that we'll be everything, but we'll be the a hub around core key things that really do matter and move the needle. And then we'll make it easy to extend that and allow other great technologies to play in that ecosystem. And what we think is gonna happen is as we dial that in for this industry, what ends up happening, it, we keep them relevant and we help them succeed in this, in this new world. And then we start to see, like you mentioned, you know, those companies who have been on um, Shopify or some other you know, commerce platform and they've got a little bit of traction and they find themselves at that point where the only lever they've got to pull is I can throw more advertising dollars at it. And if that's the only thing you've got then, then if the economics don't work out for you, if you don't have enough money to put into it, then you're kind of dead in the water. And that's where, you know, we're hopeful that, that we create this category for brands to enable them to have more than just that um, throwing invest or throwing, you know, ad money at things and rather help them to empower this channel of people to people, influencers, Etc. and work with them the way that they want to be worked with, be able to interact with them the way that they can, and then extend their reach through the authentic relationships that those, that those influencers have. If, if we're going to enter or help her, you know, take us to the next direction, it has to be what I define as, as network partnering instead of network marketing companies need to partner with their distributors and bring them the technology to help them with customer acquisition. Companies like yourself need to partner with the best e-commerce engines in the world. I mean, when was the last time you asked your team to go build a new email? Right? There are certain people that own certain sectors that we can no longer compete with. I mean, what's very interesting is if you, during the pandemic, when Zoom even through their challenges, because no one goes from having a couple of million used to a couple of hundred million users without glitches, right? No competitor stepped up to challenge Zoom during the pandemic. Google Hangouts didn't all of a sudden offer a paid version, right? Um, GoToMeeting didn't drop their price 50% and offer or new features. Where was JoinMe? Where was Microsoft Teams? Where was Facebook? They couldn't do it because Zoom had spent too much money over too long a period of time building an infrastructure that people couldn't compete with. 
That's what the e-commerce world is now. People are spending millions of dollars. So it's a case of direct scale doesn't have to go out and build a better e-commerce, but they have to build a better way to partner with them because we understand the vertical. We know the needs of the vertical. And I guarantee you that by next year at this time, that when you look at our marketplace, it won't be companies you never heard of looking to, for us to go sell their services to upgrade. It'll be the Shopify's of the world who seek you out because combined, you can create a unique experience for our distributors in our vertical that they can't without us. At the end of the pandemic, Zoom did one thing that was very interesting. They kind of copied Apple in the sense that they opened up a development division that invited people to make their product better. And that's where e-commerce is going. E-commerce can no longer they, you know, reach the people they wanna reach. The way Zoom couldn't reach network marketers for years, right? Is the way e-commerce is gonna to come to the direct scales of the world because we can create an experience using their type of technology that is unmatched and unpart. So when I say a year from now, you're not gonna all of a sudden see new players. You're gonna see the best players come together spearheaded by someone like you who understands the business, understands the industry, understands the application, understands the business model. As you say, to bring it together, there always has to be an orchestra leader for the band, right? Yeah. All the instruments are showing up, but right now it's desperate for a leader. And it's hard for someone like me as a thought leader to be a leader when your hands aren't on the lever to actually deliver it. And that's why the truth is, right? You're in a much more important position because you can literally go down the hall, right? And order these things to be implemented and have them show up. I can help in the sense of, to suggest what needs to, to be in that orchestra, what needs to be in that band. But that's why these are important phone calls. This is not about concept anymore. The pandemic happened. We came back into the mix. Are we gonna let it go by? Our window is open. And we have an opportunity, I'm saying, to create some of the most exciting platforms using some of the best technologies because that technology has matured. In every area I talked about today, I could literally, if I was gonna share my screen, I could go on a website and create a buy button in 15 minutes that can appear on your blog selling my product. I can get artificial intelligence designed customers selected from a database that, that, that will match my customer profile of people who buy my products and join my company to sell. These are not concepts. These, yep. these are realities and it's gonna take a master leader, I'm saying to integrate this in a cost-effective, smart, simple onboarding way to, to make it look like where people are gonna laugh one day and go, can you believe I used to have to go to a website to go buy a product? Are you kidding me? Did you really do that in your day? That's the world we're living in today. That's what's yep. going on. I love that that thought about the underlying technology already being there. It's it's reality today, but but it is that that art of pulling it together and creating that end to end experience that that um, that allows people to participate in it, right? Not just the big influencers, but the everyone's an influencer, um, the everyone's an influencer world that we that we do live in. Let's help to enable them, and let's make sure that every brand has an army of influencers that are empowered and enabled to go, to go tell their story and, and benefit from doing so in whatever way they want to benefit, right? That's, that's the other you know, cool concept. Um, 
you know, you, I kind of harken back to something you said a little bit earlier about the, about comp plans and, and, you know, you mentioned that um, there's a, if, if all you're doing, one of the, one of the thoughts that came to mind as you were talking about comp plans is if all you're doing is doing an, a, just a straight one tier affiliate or even a multi-tier affiliate, that doesn't give you the nuances that you talked about of, hey, there actually could be an opportunity here for me to go and grow beyond that. Now you start right there and there doesn't need to be any rocket science around, you know, a little um, multi-tier, you know, comp structure for, for customer acquisition. But then beyond that, there's a, there's a lot of other great things that could happen. We could create, people can create businesses around these things if you give them the right tools to the right comp plans. Every time when I was running a network marketing company, the greatest contribution that I made would happen around the 25th of the month because I was able to see what we did well and I was able to see what we didn't do. And the, then I always had one week, right, to come up with the promotional idea based on the comp plan of how I wanted to drive behavior for the following month. And so I had 12 times a year to manipulate behavior. And it, the greatest challenge was coming up with the idea. It was, could we program it? Can we execute it? Do I have to do it by hand on an Excel spreadsheet, right? Was I limited by my ideas, by my technology? And so that's where it's, it's not about how many levels you pay. It's about how are you gonna use your comp plan to motivate people to drive behavior? That's what the real leadership of it does. And so you need the kind of technology I'm saying that will never be available in an app in Shopify, right? In yeah. order to do that, this is not going to happen. <laughs> right. So we've got, we've got some good news. You mentioned some of it, you know, we, we kind of have another shot at it. Um, and it's almost ironically, you know, caused by <laughs> the pandemic. Um, that's good news. Another bit of good news is that the trend of focusing more on customer acquisition versus rep acquisition is something that has taken hold and is happening. I'm looking at some data, even in the United States, where those numbers have dramatically increased in terms of customers versus um, independent sellers. If we lay over the top of that, your concept of, of um, compensating customers first before they even have to jump through any hoops, that would be really exciting, right? Yeah. For, for these brands. And, and, you'll, and you'll find in the comp plans that do that, 80% of the customers use the money to buy more products, even though they can cash out and buy a pizza, they, they keep it where it is to, to buy more products. And so another so aspect actually, of- yeah, that's another aspect of this end-to-end experience management of, of these of the best-in-class tools that I believe DirectScale will yeah. will be the the market leader in is you know those commission tools just being accessible and built right in. We've already got a lot of great integrations with partners there, but we can do more and we can make it better and more cohesive. Yeah, and um, the, the, other can, la- the other last piece that I wanted to say that again, changing the mindset of the way people think about technology is in Shopify, there's 1.2 million people paying between $29 a month and $2,000 a month and a half a percent of their sales because they value what technology can do for them. In network marketing, we're, we're always afraid to ask our distributors to pay for anything. <laughs> it's like, they're gonna, if we ask them to pay, they're gonna quit, right? Because the kind of technology we're offering them before was information technology, not customer acquisition technology. People in insurance and real estate, I'm saying traditionally paid for, for those kind of tools because they, there was a clear ROI. And when we move to this technology platform, the only way we can move there 
is if the distributors value it enough to pay for it as well. Direct scale cannot offer this to their companies at a cost-effective way if a company is paying for everything. It's just, it's just virtually impossible. So we, we can no longer be embarrassed about asking people to pay for something that's gonna make them money. It doesn't become a cost anymore. It actually becomes almost a fear of loss for distributors. Yeah. So 85% of the distributors who are only customers never pay for anything. They get everything for free. They even get their money for free. They get their, uh, their products for free if they, if they buy enough. But the 15% of the people who, who do this full-time, if we can show them that technology makes them money, they'll pay all day. And that makes this whole business model, this whole shift possible. Yeah, you actually turn them into those into real entrepreneurs and and allow them to see, you know, return on investment for 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 those technology investments. And that that works. So, you know, gig economy growth ain't going anywhere, too. That thing just keeps marching on and on and on. Um, there's probably a few other things we can kind of circle back on a little bit and hit. But one of the other uh, one of the other things I looked up doing some research for for this session with you was that um, you know, what, will, what will spur gig economy growth? And there's, there's a bunch of trends they list here for influencer marketing trends to watch in 2021. Um, first of all, um, micro and nano influencers will get more love. So when I, think about, when I think about direct selling, that's exactly what I think about. I think about the, you know, the loving those smaller influencers um, and finding ways for making it easy for brands to to interact with them and make it easy for them to interact with brands in a way that, that benefits them. That's a, that's a really cool trend that's, uh, that's happening. Um, it's always like, do you remember more specialization like to, uh, before you move off, uh, yeah, go ahead. move on to go that. Ahead. The power of brand. Do you remember when we used to wait for the Apple announcements and, and we'd see people on the news sleeping three days before to go buy a product. They'd stay online to go buy a product. They could buy three days later. <laughs> from, from their living room. Let's not underestimate the power of community and brand and culture, right? Yep. The thing it says is influencers will become more specialized. Now, I know this is looking at it from that lens of, you know, really the, the influence itself, but I think this is another opportunity for the, for the direct selling industry to level up here because, because what, what, they, what a, company, a direct selling company could provide is that specialized focus. Like for if, a, if an influencer finds a match in a direct selling company for products and technologies that they love, then they've found a home and they can, they can be an influencer for that brand. Another side note there, I think brands also in our industry need to adapt and stop the, the insanity of, hey, you can only do this. Like and that's just not even a thing anymore, but that's, those, yeah. those are kind of so, related so topics to that trend. The, the interesting thing about influencers, right, is, and it keep, comes in the personal growth and development side, right? We, it used to be celebrity driven, right? But you notice how it moved to expertise driven. Everyone yeah. wanted to hear from a current CEO, not a guy who wrote a book about CEOs, right? The, the, if you're an expert haircutter, if you're an expert masseuse, people are attracted and trust expertise. And that's the difference between being a celebrity where Kim Kardashian may talk about skincare and you'd be shocked about how few people, that, the lack of conversion from her social media sites uh, when it comes to real monetization versus an expert in skincare. I'm saying mm -hmm. that people trust. 
you know, the, that, and you, you're hitting on one of these other points that's listed here. And that is that authenticity will be the watchword. So mm -hmm. you just nailed it, right? There's <laughs> not a single person that doesn't understand. And if you don't understand, I should have a helpline or something so you could call. But I don't believe for one second that when I see a celebrity endorsement that they're, that they're really concerned about making my life better or, or giving me good advice, right? across the board, by the way, not just product endorsements and pretty much anything. Um, but um, but that, that's another area where I think there's a unique opportunity for this industry to really stand up and just own it. Look, we are the industry of, of authentic relationships and connecting people to products and services that will make a difference and matter for them. Like that, that seems to be a really good yeah. sweet spot for this space. The one, so. the one thing that our industry never ever has gotten the credit for that it deserves is we actually have really great products in our vertical. Part of the reason is it doesn't cost a lot of money to have a great product versus an inexpensive product at the cost level. And, and most companies when faced with that choice, spend the extra couple of bucks, I, I'm saying, and actually have superior products. I mean, our, our products do change people's lives. We, uh, I mean, obviously if it's your telecom or electricity, it may not. But I'm saying if it's if it's a skincare product or a nutritional product, it really does show up in people's lives, which again creates this natural organic conversations, which is always the essence of our business. Yeah, yeah I'm probably a good you know personal testimonial of that because as you know, I've had a lot of uh, relationships with a lot of different companies and brands over the years, and there are certain products that that still that you'll still find around my house. Um, right. So yeah, that's a testimony to there's there's some there's some good products, um, and and some great you know other benefits that bring, you know there was a tongue in cheek moment I think about you know personal development and things like that, but I do still think that they're you know community and belonging, and um, and helping you know being around people that are encouraging you to be better and actually helping you to be better. And those are all awesome things that I think we can also bring to the party. But as you say, you know, like this morning, you and I were on a clubhouse together, right? Clubhouse got more than 10 million people in four months because they're a community, right? They don't yeah. sell a product, right? Yeah. There's, there's no upside other than opening the door to people you normally wouldn't have a chance to either listen to or actually engage with. 10 million people, yeah. I'm saying in four months because the power of community. What else do we yeah, need to know? Right now you, now you put a product on that and monetize it. Oh, we're back to MLM, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there it goes. Well, listen, I think that um, we've hit on, a couple, on some really great stuff and, I, and you know, I, I appreciate you being here today and giving your perspective. Um, let's, let's keep the conversation and the dialogue going and let's bring it into action and let's, let's deliver together and find the best way to, again, you know, help brands in this space to be dramatically successful, leveraging current technologies, the, the buy button everywhere, attributed well, I, back I, I know to the I know before plan the, that we've got. I know before the call, you probably erased that whiteboard. So, cause I know that you have a time frame on all this. Again, this is not <laughs> theoretical. Like I said to Roger, one yeah. year from today, we're gonna be back on this Zoom and we're gonna be talking about the tangible changes that we've seen in the industry, not, not and the next generation of, of tangible changes that will come. Yeah, delivering that path for people and, and being, I think a little bit more prescriptive maybe than we've tried to be in the past uh, mm -hmm. about, hey, here's how you do it. 
here's how you make it happen mm-hmm. in, in today's world. Um, I think companies are, are starving for that. And frankly, even some that are, that are bigger than you might think. Um, right. right. So it's, it's not only these early stage companies that are trying to build some brand equity, but it's even some of the larger brands that are just kind of not understanding exactly how, how to move in this new space. But, um, but we'll, we're going to hey, do our remember, best to help Michael, them get there. Michael Jordan had a coach too, right? No one reaches a level where they don't want to hear advice. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I feel, I find myself uh, probably more hungry for coaching um, the more that I know. <laughs> So, well, hey, man, listen, I appreciate you being here. We'll, we'll wrap it up for today and we'll, uh, we'll be sharing this recording out in, in several different channels. This content will be available out and about, but look for more, more conversations like this and, and more you know, drilling into some of these areas coming out from direct scale and other um, thought leaders like Steve that, uh, that, we'll be, that we'll be partnering with to do that. So thank you very much for your time today, Steve, and everyone who joined us. Um, Thanks, everybody. We look forward and, to doing great special, things in the future. Special thank you to Danny, who uh, I know made us both look good by looking like we knew what to do with technology today, right? Right on. <laughs> yes, thank you all. All right. Thanks, we'll everybody. talk to you soon, bro. Take, take care. All right.